Hi, friends. It's Vin Scully. It's time for Dr. Clapper. In sports, there's winning and losing and getting injured. That's why there's Dr. Clapper. Dr. Clapper is the former head of orthopedic surgery at Cedar sinai The Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper, presented by Cedar sinai Hey, Dr. Clapper. How are you? Saturday mornings from 7 to 9. Silence is golden when you can't think of a good answer. <laughs> yes, Doc, I love your show. Now, here he is, Dr. Robert Clapper. Good morning, Los Angeles, and welcome to another edition of the Weekend Warrior Show. I'm your host, Dr. Robert Clapper. I'm an orthopedic surgeon at Cedars-Sinai, 32 years and counting. Joined today again by the great Steve Paulette, who's been by my side for these 10 and a half years here on ESPN. What a privilege and pleasure to bring you my thoughts of the world of art, the world of sports, and my world of surgery. And we're going to do some clapper vision today. Too many injuries that need to be explained. What exactly happened to Russell Wilson's finger? And why did our special guest in the past, Steve Shin, the great hand surgeon, why did he have to operate? And how long will it be for him to come back? He may play for Seattle, but you got to appreciate the talent that Russell Wilson is as a quarterback. How do we fix him? Clapper Vision's going to be a fishing rod to explain the fractured dislocation of his finger. And what about Max Muncy? Major Oive for the Dodgers. Boy, do they miss his bat, miss his leadership on the field. What happened to his elbow? It may be good news that he doesn't need surgery right now. But what exactly happens when you dislocate your elbow? Clapper Vision's going to be a car door. That's right. It's a hinge. But your elbow's actually a little more than just a hinge. And I'll explain with some Clapper Vision. Don't worry. The clinic will be open. The number's 877-710-ESPN. And today's show is going to be... Just awesome, because it's another crazy adventure in the life that you have of art, sports, and surgery. My guest at 8.15, and thanks to the great Jeff Busey from Biomet for setting it up, is the vice president of the biggest company in the world to make 3D models. His name is Brian Crutchfield, and he'll be calling in at 8.15. The company is based in Brussels, believe it or not. But Brian was instrumental in getting my research project at the La Brea Tar Pits on the saber-toothed tigers, believe it or not. I'm a hip expert. I'm an orthopedic surgeon, a knee expert, a shoulder expert. It means I know how the body works in terms of joints, bones, ligaments, tendons. Well, I wasn't here 20,000 years ago, but the saber-toothed tiger was. And thanks to the La Brea Tar Pits and that oil preserving their bones, I was able to discover three of the cats, the saber-toothed tigers, and the disease in their hip joint preserved because of the tar 20,000 years. And I took CAT scans of those pelvises at Cedar sinai my hospital, and used the slices of that CAT scan and sent them to Brian Crutchfield, my guest at 815, who built a 3D model, a replica, an exact replica. By the way, this is the same technology I used on Michael Thompson's hip that I used on Wilt Chamberlain and on the actor Tony Cox. When I have patients who are so different in terms of size, than the average person, I can use this technology that Brian Crutchfield uses to make a 3D model and build a replica, which I did and discovered for the saber-toothed tiger who's extinct. But thanks to Brian Crutchfield, those bones could talk. 
and they told me something that the paleontologists never appreciated. Because I could prove that the animal was born with a bad hip and for years was limping. Well, how are you going to survive if you're limping? You can't chase that animal to eat it. They're not vegetarians. Well, that means that because I could prove that they were born with this bad hip, that the other animals, the other cats in the pack were helping to feed it. They always thought that the saber-toothed tiger hunted alone like a mountain lion. But no, this research, and thanks to Brian Crutchfield making that model for me, could now prove to you that they hunted in packs. There's going to be a big exhibit one day, thanks to Emily Lindsay, the head of the La Brea Tar Pits, because of it. But it made me think all week, the idea of 3D models, of three dimensions, of depth, the Z-axis, pizza, a pancake, a piece of paper. It's two-dimensional, right? But if you want height, depth, the third dimension in art, in sports, in surgery, where do you see it? Ah, this is what I thought about all week. And listen to this soundbite of Kobe Bryant. And tell me if you don't see what I see, hear what I hear. When Kobe's asked a very simple question, how do you tune out the trash talk? What does this have to do with the third dimension of depth? Well, in my brain, it makes me think of Kobe putting a cage around himself, that Z-axis. It's a metaphor. It's a clapper vision. But actually, that's how Kobe Bryant could put off these people yelling and screaming at him and focus and become such a superior basketball player. Listen to the interviewer asking Kobe a simple question. How do you deal with the trash talk? And now... Listen to Kobe give that answer. How do you tune out trash talk or heckling? I mean, how do you, you know, kind of all this stuff going around? You get in character. Like the game, we played the Knicks. I wasn't in the mood to talk to anybody. And, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't going to say hello to Spike. I wasn't going to say hello to my man Jay-Z. You know, I, I just wasn't in the mood. I didn't want to hear anything. I was in my, my mode, my focus. I wasn't going to let anybody break that. He's talking about being in a cage almost, a third dimension. Basketball, a lot of times, it um, has to do with the emotional space that you can put yourself in. In that particular game, I was in one of those moods. I mean, you know, a couple of Nick guys would come up to me during the game and say hello, as we've done in the past, and I just ignored them, because I just, I, <laughs> you know, I was in my zone, and I didn't want anything, you know, outside of that taking me out of it. That depth, that Z-axis, that third dimension that Kobe Bryant can put himself in is like a cage. He calls it an emotional space. It's a good separation for me, you know, emotionally, to be able to put myself in a place where at practice or when I'm training or during games, I switch my mind to something else. I switch my mode into something else, right? For me, it's the equivalent of Maximus, Desmus, Meridius, and Gladiator picking up the dirt, smelling the dirt, it's go time, right? So that was my mental switch. It was like an actor getting ready for a film. You gotta put yourself in that cage. When you're in that cage, you are that character. And then when you leave there, it's something completely different. But when I'm in that cage, bro, don't touch me, don't talk to me. Just leave me alone. Leave me alone. That's how I can get things done. And yesterday in surgery, I did six big cases hip replacement, knee replacements, big surgeries. Wednesday, the same thing. I do over 10 surgeries every week, big surgeries. Like Kobe, I got to go into an emotional space so I can focus, depth, a Z-axis. This is a wonderful interview you can hear from Patrick Bet David with Kobe. You got to look at the reality of the situation. You know, like for me, it's not, you know, you, you kind of got to get over yourself. Like, it's not about you, man. Like, oh, okay, you feel embarrassed. You're not that important. Like, <laughs> get over yourself. Yeah, that's where you go. Get over yourself, right? Like, you're worried about how people may perceive you and, like, you're walking around and it's embarrassing because you shot five air balls. Get over yourself, 
right? And then after that, it's okay, well, why did those air balls happen? Got it. Because your legs were weak. Because you were just a high school student the year before. High school, year before, we played 35 games, max, right? Week in between, spaced out, plenty of time to rest. In the NBA, it's back to back to back to back to back to back to back. I didn't have the legs. So you look at the shot, every shot was online. Every shot was online, but every shot was short. Right? I got to get stronger. I got to train differently. The weight training program that I'm doing, I got to tailor it for an 82-game season mm. so that when the playoffs come around, my legs are stronger and that ball gets there. And when you saw Kobe Bryant, he's telling you now he knew you were there. He knew you came to see him. That's what allowed him to have that depth, to go into that zone, that emotional space he's talking about. And he was never going to disappoint us. You got a lot of people playing their hard-earned money to come watch you perform. 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 It's your job to be in shape. It's your job to be strong enough to perform at that level every single night. And as a competitor, I'm not, I'm not ducking shit. Like, it's not, oh, my God, my back hurts. I'm sore. We got to play Vince Carter and Toronto Raptors tonight. We actually had this happen. We had a game against Toronto. And, and he's got a bad back. He had all kinds of injuries. We know them well. He was an orthopedic dream, Kobe Bryant. But he was never going to let it bother him because he can get into that Z-axis, that third dimension, that emotional space he talks about. And he was always going to be there. 2000. Um, and Vince was tearing the league up. Um, my back was jacked. Jacked. But like the perception of that, like what? Kobe's missing a game against Toronto and Vince Carter because man, my back was really spasming. But people will be like, what? Oh, he's ducking Vince. Excuse me? No, I don't think so. So I would be in the layup line like, okay, there's a lot of days where, you know, you can rest and recover. Today ain't one of them. Your back can bother you any other day. That shit ain't bothering me today. We're going, he going to have to see oh, me today. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. And finally, this show is called The Weekend Warrior Show. He did the promo Kobe Bryant for this show. And just to hear him give us all a shout-out in his own words again. Listen to him teaching in a basketball lesson, but he can't help but give us a shout-out. I love this soundbite. What are you looking at when you're guarding somebody? Talk me through what your kind of, what your well, mentality I, I, is. I, I play to, to my opponent's weaknesses, okay. obviously. So, so your, left. your left hand. So I'll probably sit inside here and get this hand inside here. You know, it's a little trick for the weekend warriors over there. Trick. You know? Little trick for the weekend warriors. That's right. We miss you, Kobe. But he taught us about the third dimension in sports, that emotional space. What about in the world of art, the world of music? Here's another example I bet you didn't think about, but I did. This is a group that sold more records as an instrumental band than anybody in history. Over 110 million records. And they never sang a word. They just used their guitars. And when they started out, they weren't very good guitar players. They had to simplify things. Their third dimension was they learned how to bang on the strings because they didn't have a drummer. Their name is The Ventures. This is their classic song that launched them from being bricklayers in Tacoma, Washington. But coming up next, you're going to learn why I think of them when I think of the third dimension. I want to play briefly for a second here their song, just to get you in the mood. No singing, just instrumental. They're not just strumming the strings, they're banging on the strings. This is from 1960. Two guys, Don Wilson, Bob Bugle. They were so amateur, their mother had to be their producer and gave them the name The Ventures. But coming up next, you're going to learn their story and where the depth, the 3D model in the world of music, in my mind, is beautifully displayed. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warriors show here on 710 ESPN.
emoji clap man. Weekend Warriors on Facebook. Holy slip disc. That's right, Robin. Hear listeners talk about their aches and pains. Holy hamstrings. Along with Doc's clapper vision. Breathe deeply. And advice to callers. On your toes, Robin. So like, follow, and enjoy. A wise decision. The Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Frankly, I can think of nothing more stimulating. What's going on? It's Max. You know there's no better way to start your Saturday morning than with my friend Dr. Clapper and the Weekend Warrior Show. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. Magandan Umaga. Start your weekend off right. Listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. Cells are just tiny people. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN. 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. What's the ventures you're listening to? They invented the whole concept of surf music without even realizing it. They were special. And why do I think of them when I think of 3D modeling? Well, here's the reason. This is Bob Bugle talking about how they didn't really know what they were doing. They taught themselves the guitar But they had to simplify the songs. But the depth comes, I'll explain. Let's first listen to Bob Bugle. I don't know, it it was a a sound that was quite different. The song was very catchy melody, had a very catchy melody. And the guitars, it's it's a magic of some kind. When you go into the studio, uh, it could have come out in a way that it wouldn't have been a hit, but it, it, it just, these things happen. We weren't uh, professional enough to play the song the way it was written. You know, it was too complicated for us. So I think the, the way we simplified it and put it into a rock and roll beat is one of the things that made it hit. They simplified it, but it was just two guitar players. There's no bass player, there's no drum. How do you create depth when you're just two guys and you're two-dimensional with a guitar? You hit the strings to make it sound like a drummer. You play the rhythm differently to make up for the bass player that you don't have. This is Don Wilson explaining why the Ventures took off. We bought uh, chord books and uh, tried to learn as many chords as we could. And uh, just playing together, we got a lot of response from people who... uh, heard us play for the first time. They, even at that time, they said, you, you have a different sound. At the time, we didn't know a bass player or a drummer, so it was just the two of us. And I tried to make up with the rhythm and playing a kind of a, uh, more of a percussion sound, you know, hitting the strings hard. And uh, he played in order to make up for anything else that wasn't there, any other instrument, he played a very, uh, a lead, and he'd throw in a chord every once in a while and use that little whammy bar to make it almost kind of Hawaiian sounding. That's what gave the depth, the third dimension, the 3D modeling, was this innovation they had, simplifying the song and then making up for the lack of the bass player and the drum. Later, they would get a drummer and a bass player. But they made it all up. Two bricklayers with guitars made it all up. And ultimately, these two guys from Tacoma, Washington, end up selling more records than anybody else as instrumental players and get into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Their story is amazing. The Ventures. Let's listen to it. The first guitar heroes of the Northwest were a pair of clean-cut bricklayers from Tacoma. We're the band that launched a thousand guitar band. In 1960, Don Wilson and Bob Vogel kick-started the biggest-selling instrumental group in music history with a homemade single called Walk, Don't Run. Now, nearly 50 years and 110 million record sales later, The Ventures once considered themselves the Rodney Dangerfields of rock. We don't get no respect, you know. 
<laughs> are finally heading into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It's such an inspiring story to just keep at it. Find your passion in life. The venture's adventure begins on Seattle construction sites when bricklayers Bob and Don decide rock and roll had more to offer. We would pick up that guitar and play it for 10 hours a day, just playing, rehearsing. No, that chord's wrong, that chord's wrong. Just playing a record and trying to copy it. From a Chet Atkins album called Hi-Fi and Focus, Bob and Don discover a track called Walk, Don't Run. And he played it in a uh, kind of a classical jazzy style, which we couldn't play it like that. We weren't good enough. So we decided that we'll go ahead and make our own arrangement of it and simplify it. And that's how that happened. That's exactly how that happened and changed music history. They save up $300 to record their own version and release it on their own Blue Horizon label. Nobody plays it until months later when legendary Seattle DJ Pat O'Day uses Walk Don't Run as a news theme. If we're playing rock and roll and we have got energized young people that are trying to create that music, why not expose them? Walk Don't Run spreads across the country to become the number two hit in the land. To cash in quickly, the label puts the album out before the Ventures even get a chance to pose for the cover. Actually, these are all stockroom boys. It's not even us. Oh, that just doesn't seem fair. But remember, they're not singing the song. They're just playing instruments, giving depth by banging on the strings. But here's the beauty. Because there's no song, there's no language barrier. And they become bigger than the Beatles in Japan. In 1963, a part Russian, part Cherokee drummer named Mel Taylor joins the group. He was one of the best drummers that I've ever heard. At the height of Beatlemania, the Ventures are met at the Tokyo airport by thousands of screaming fans. You couldn't go anywhere. You had to stay in the hotel. There were big crowds outside uh, the hotel. Because they play instrumentals, the Ventures don't have any language barriers to break. So the Tacoma boys outsell the Beatles two to one in Japan. Isn't that amazing? A 1969 hit cover of the Hawaii Five-0 theme would be the Ventures' last hurrah in the U.S. But as their star fades stateside, in Japan, the Ventures sell 50 million albums and tour relentlessly. One year, we did 106 concerts in 78 days without a day off. That will do you in. These are two guys. So don't ever say you can't do it. These are two guys who started out as... A bricklayer bought guitars and said, we're going to do it. We're going to simplify it. I was actually a used car salesman, and I was working in a car lot in Seattle. And actually, um, uh, Bob came in to buy a car, my partner of almost 40 years. So I did uh, sell him a car, and we had talked, and I asked him what kind of work he did. And he said he was a bricklayer. And so I said, well, do you think you could get me on where you're working? And he said, well, I'll sure try. And he did. And we'd work uh, eight or ten hours a day. Then we'd go to work at the club and start about nine and wouldn't finish till one. But we really wanted the experience. They paid us practically nothing. But uh, then we got a hold of a bass player and uh, a guy that played lead guitar, he was one of the best lead guitar players in uh, the town that we were living in at the time, which was Tacoma, Washington. And his name was Noki Edwards. This is Don Wilson, the founder of the band, one of those two teenagers talking. He joined us, and we had been playing a song that we picked up in a Chet Atkins album called Walk, Don't Run. And it's an album called Hi-Fi and Focus. And we were in awe of Chet Atkins because he played uh, finger style. And when he played Walk, Don't Run, it was almost jazzy. And uh, a guy named Johnny Smith, who was a jazz guitarist, actually wrote the song. Well, we couldn't play it like that. So what we did is to put it into a, our own style. And we played it with a, a rock beat. And this is what it sounded like. 
this is Bob Reisdorf, the, the music producer at the record company, who said, get out of here. This is terrible. The Ventures came, and they played their first record for me. And I said, you know, I, I think you're very good, but this is not, this, is, this isn't it. And uh, uh, suggested they keep doing it and come again. So who comes to their rescue? Don Wilson's mother. She says, I think you're terrific, as every mother will think their son is. And takes that record to all the radio stations in Tacoma, Washington. Please, play my son's record. I heard on KJR Radio in Seattle this remarkable uh, instrumental. And I said, well, they're bending notes in there, and, you know, they're flat, they're sharp, deliberately, so that you get actually what might be considered grotesque, but somehow utilized in such a way that it was exciting. We had been to Bob with a tape before, and he turned us down. (laughs) The secret was that Don Wilson banged on those strings and made depth, made a third dimension. She came to me. And I listened to it again, you know, she had her demo with her. And I said, this this is going to be a big hit. Do you know know that? She said, really? And I said, this is going to be possibly number one in in the country. I said, it's what I have been waiting for. And guess what? It gets released and goes so quickly off the charts, they don't even have their pictures on the cover of the album. The record company quickly prints an album without them. So he sent it down to Liberty Records, and the president of Liberty Records says, no, I don't think it's a hit, although it was climbing the charts in Seattle, but only Seattle. So uh, he said, uh, uh, Mr. Reisdorf said, well, I'll guarantee it. If it doesn't make it, I'll pay the cost of the promotion and pressing and whatever else was involved. And uh, it wound up going to number two in the nation. What we learned from the ventures is you can create a third dimension, even as Bob Reisdorf says, bending the strings to the point of being almost grotesque. But that's actually how you give depth to that mundane song. We learned from Kobe Bryant to go into what he calls a third dimension, an emotional space, so he can focus and do things that other people can't do. That's the secret. I could look at an x-ray. I can look at a CAT scan. I could look at an MRI. It's a piece of paper. It's a sheet. It's on a screen on the computer. It's two-dimensional. But when you've got a complicated surgery to do, our bodies are three-dimensional. And that's when I can use a 3D modeling to build a replica of your arm, your leg, your hip, your ankle, and actually be able to see the pathology as I'm going to see it in surgery. It's an awesome technology, 3D printing. And at 815, we'll talk to Brian Crutchfield, an expert. And coming up next... We'll do some clapper vision. I want to talk about Max Muncie and Russell Wilson. But more importantly, I want to talk about the weekend warrior. You guys. So give me a call. The clinic will be open. The number is 877-710-ESPN. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warriors show here on 710 ESPN. Weekend Warriors on Facebook. Didn't you get the memo? Quickly hear Clapper's crazy kitchen stories. Easily find different callers' aches and pain issues. Right, I get it. Search Weekend Warrior in the search bar and click on Doc's picture. Who are you again? Voila! Like, follow, and enjoy the Weekend Warrior Facebook page.
This is Keyshawn in the morning. My man, Dr. Clapper, and the Weekend Warrior Show starts your Saturday morning. Join the doc from 7 to 9 a.m. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. Roberto Clapperio, a fish tacologist. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. I know the ins and outs of a fish taco. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Can't touch this. Can't touch this. Can't touch this. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. You can't touch it, but you need to. To feel the third dimension. To feel the depth in your shoulder, your knee, your hip. What about food? I thought all week about the third dimension. Pizza's two-dimensional, it's a slice. Pancakes, two-dimensional, it's flat. What is it that I enjoy that's three-dimensional in the world of food? I thought about it. The only thing that qualifies as three-dimensional is something that can create a shadow. If the light hits it, you'll see a shadow because there's height and depth. My mouth is watering already. There is a French pastry called a Napoleon. The French call it a milflar. I'm sure I'm mispronouncing it. People are cringy if they speak French and listen to me with my far rockaway accent speaking in French. Milflar, which means a thousand layers because there's height to this pastry better known as a Napoleon to someone like me. And I know all the bakeries. Magnolia, Sweet Lily, Coenga, fantastic. Michelina, in the Grove, in the Farmer's Market. I know them all. But actually, I found the greatest stacked with custard, crispy pastry with powdered sugar. Oh my God, I had it last night. The best one I've ever had, the Napoleon. I'll tell you a little later in the show where I believe the best one I've ever had is here in L.A. That's a three-dimensional food. Right now, all the lines are lit up. Let's do some clapper vision. Let's open the clinic. Let's go to Eddie. Eddie, you're on with Dr. Clapper. How can I help? Oh, thank you for taking my call, Dr. Clapper. Oh, my pleasure, Uh, Eddie. How young are you? What do you do for a living? Um, I'm retired and I'm 70 years old. What did you do? Forget about retired. What did you do? Oh, I worked. I worked at a in a warehouse. What was in the warehouse? Lots of plumbing. Plumbing. A plumbing warehouse. So yeah, was the pipe exercise? Was the lots pipe PVC lifting. pipe? Was it lead pipe? Was it copper pipe? What was in the warehouse? Oh, no hub, copper plastic, whatever you needed. That we had it. Wow. What, what's your favorite? pipe was it copper was it pvc was it lead did you love elbow (laughs) pipes did you love those joints that you put together did you love the lead that you melt to solder the the cast iron pipes together for the sewer lines no kind of lead is kind of outdated really most of it was cast iron but i like copper copper was cleaner but you're 70 years old do you remember the days way back in the day when you used to when the plumber (laughs) actually had to boil the lead and melt it and pour the molten lead into the cast iron joint to solder it together you remember those days right yeah i did it i know i remember being a little boy going on a job site with my dad Oh, God, I must have been eight years old. This is a long time ago. This is in the 60s. And I wound up because I was curious. And what do they say? Curiosity killed the cat. He's upstairs redoing the kitchen. And I decide to go downstairs because there was a basement in this person's house. And there was the plumber. Filthy, dirty, dirt all. I like totally love this plumber that I saw down there. And what was he doing? He was working on the sewer line. And he had this blowtorch heating up a bowl with molten lead in it, and he's ma- he's making it melted because he's going to pour it into the joint of the sewer line to bridge the gap of those two cast iron pipes. And I'll never forget what he told me. He said, Robbie, stay away. 
He said, and I don't even know if what he told me is true, but I just loved it. He says, because this molten lead, if anything comes off of you and falls into it, it will go back exactly where it came from, and it'll come flying out right back at you and burn you. And I'm going, that's like the coolest thing in the world, that it can remember what angle the debris came from and go right back that same way. I don't even know if it's true, but it was a great moment in my life to meet that plumber (laughs) who just loved what he was doing. And that's what I think is the secret, Ed, is passion. I don't care if you're a plumber, electrician, whatever you do for a living. I'm a surgeon. You better have passion for it. Otherwise, I don't want to talk to you. So it's an honor to talk to you, the plumbing warehouse guy, Eddie from L.A. Where did you grow up? What did your dad do for a living? Uh, he was a pharmacist. Really? You became a plumbing warehouse guy in your dad? Why didn't you become a pharmacist? <laughs> good question. <laughs> <laughs> was he a good guy? Did you love your one. dad? Did you have a good relationship with him? Oh, yeah. We got along great. Did you have brothers and sisters? I had a sister. You don't like your sister. I can tell that right Sometimes. <laughs> and how about your mother? Did your mother work? Yeah, she worked. Uh, she was a registered nurse. And my mother was a nurse. We got a lot in common, Eddie. We got mm-hmm. a hardworking dad and we got a, mm-hmm. a mom who was a nurse. Good for you. All right, how can I help you? What would you do to yourself? Oh, I, I, my, I need a new lead joint in my shoulder. I'm, I'm, a, I'm available if you need me. We, I do them all I, I was, the time. Don't let I them was, inject you with cortisone. You have an x-ray, you have an MRI of your shoulder, because the key at 70 years old, Eddie, is you got to make sure that beyond just the x-ray, you got to see what the cables look like. You got to see what the rotator cuff looks like, because a traditional total shoulder, which I'm going to do one on Wednesday this week, I need to know that the tendon and the muscle are working, that they're not torn. But if they're torn, there's another kind of operation we can do called a reverse total shoulder. And at 70 years old, I'm a little nervous that your rotator cuff ain't so terrific. But I don't know over the radio. I would love to see an MRI in addition to the x-ray. Don't let them stick needles into your shoulder of stem cells, PRP, Mm. cortisone. No cockamamie needles inside your joint because it's not going to solve the problem long term. You always want to try physical therapy first, but if that leads you with a shoulder that's painful to use and dysfunctional, then yes, then you need to find a carpenter who happens to be a surgeon, an orthopedic surgeon, that to take care of you. Where do you live? Uh, Los Angeles. All right. Well, listen, I'm not here to solicit patients, but if you don't have somebody, it's my pleasure to see you. You can call my office. Tell Arnie you won the lottery, that you get to come and see me. You don't have to wait four months to come and see me. You can come see me. Tell him I spoke to you on the radio. How's that? (laughs) Sounds good. All right, young man. Listen, you're a total stranger right now to me, Eddie. I want you to do me a favor. You find a total stranger today. Do something nice for them. That's how you'll be thanking me. Okay. Thank you, Dr. Clapper. All right. God bless you, young man. Good to talk to you. All right. We got time for someone else. Morrow, you're on with Dr. Clapper. How can I help? Hi, Dr. Clapper. Good morning. How you doing? All right. How young are you? What do you do for a living? I'm 37 years old. I'm a service partner for Spectrum. I'm a, t- a cable technician. Wow. So you go into people's houses? Uh, I do commercial now. Commercial. Uh, pretty much going to I do I go into people's business, install either the three services, uh, either the three services or all three of the services. What's phone, the strange internet or TV? Moro, what's the strangest animal you encountered in trying to put those cables in? A skunk? A raccoon, a squirrel. What you see in one of those buildings? Um, rats. Rats. Yeah, that's rats. what I figure. That's usually the answer. Thank you. Here and there, depending, <laughs> on, the, depending on the area. Yeah, who are you, Moro? Where'd you grow up? What'd your father do for a living? Uh, I grew up in Los Angeles. My dad's a cook. Really? Um, he's been a cook for quite a while. How long have you been putting cables into businesses? Uh, since 2006. Long time. Do you like it? Yeah, I like the I like the the fact that we it's a blessing that we could go into people's business, even though we're total strangers. Mm, um, good for get you. to go into different areas that then other people don't get to see. Isn't that great? You now you listen to the show. You know what Clapper Vision is? <laughs> the the eyes don't see what the mind don't know. There you go, buddy. 
God bless you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being a, a loyal weekend warrior. How can I help you? What you do to yourself? Um, well, I started uh, pretty much been starting to play basketball pretty hard. I play. Um, I, I practice four days out of the week, and then my best day is, is Sunday because mm-hmm. that's the day we get to play with the with the rest of the people mm-hmm. out here in the courts. Mm-hmm. And pretty much, I just started to feel like I'm. I started to feel like I a Taylor bun, like a Taylor bunion mm-hmm. uh, form. Yep. So it's just giving me a discomfort on my left foot. I don't know if that's the cause of it or just the, being in the cable industry for 2006 that's causing it too. I don't know. Yeah. It's just starting to give me a discomfort. Your intuitions are actually correct. And let me just explain to the uh, weekend warrior what a Taylor bunionette is. A typical bunion is a deformity of the big toe. And it's such an important joint, the big toe, because if you actually do high-speed film looking at gait, looking at how we walk, What you will see is I weigh 200 pounds. I shouldn't weigh 200 pounds, but I weigh 200 pounds. And you would think I got two legs, so 100 pounds is on one leg and 100 pounds is on the other leg. Actually, that's not the case. If you look at high-speed film and watch me walk, what you'll see is my gait, when I take a step, my heel makes contact, then my midfoot is flat, and then to go to the next step, I launch myself to the next step, is called toe off. There's actually a moment, if you took high-speed film of me walking around, where all 200 pounds of me is on nothing but my big toe. All of that force. And that is why your kneecap, for example, is a bone, a calcification, your patella, inside the tendon that gives you the mechanical advantage to launch you forward. It's called a sesamoid bone. We actually have two little kneecaps in the tendon of the bottom of our big toe. Well, believe it or not, the force is also taking place in all five toes, including the fifth one. And how that connection between the metatarsal, the mid, the mid bones of your, of your foot, and the tips of your toes, the MP joints, they also can get abnormally used. And that's what becomes a bunion in the big toe and a Taylor bunionette, which is the little toe, the pinky toe. And they're exquisitely painful because of that moment of launching your foot. All your body weight goes through those metatarsal heads is exquisitely painful. Well, two things that you have to think about, Moral. One, are your shoes too tight? Because if they are not allowing for your foot to splay, you're going to be squeezing it, and that rubs and can cause the pain that you're having. Here's the other reason. If you're wearing a shoe that's too flexible, then more flex goes through the bottom of your metatarsal joints and causes the irritation and the pain. So you need to address your problem without surgery, without shots, without pills first. By wearing a sneaker when you play basketball where the sole is stiffer, and you also want to wear a shoe that gives you plenty of room. Remember Kevin Durant didn't get Brooklyn into the playoffs last year because everybody made fun of him that his foot was on the line for that three-point shot, which became a two-point shot, and afterwards Kevin Durant says, well, I like to play basketball with shoes that are one size bigger than my real foot is. People go, what is he talking about? Guess what? Kevin Durant ain't going to get a Taylor Bunyanette for that reason. And I'm not saying you should wear one that much bigger, but it may be that the shoes you're wearing are a little too tight for the kind of foot that you have. And my guest at 815, which you should listen to, Brian Crutchfield, I think will actually talk to us about using 3D modeling to make custom inserts for athletes. So you better make sure you're listening at 815 because I think we have a surprise. He's going to talk about the new revolution for athletes in terms of modifying their shoes, and he's at the forefront of it. So I would try that. Stiffer-soled shoes, making sure the shoe is wider. If you still have that pain, Moro, then I'm going to want you to see, here's a couple of names of two great foot and ankle experts at Cedars. One, David Thordeson, and the other... Max Mahalski, M-I-C-H-A-L-S-K-I. Both these guys have been guests 
on my show. There's another one named Tim Charlton. These are terrific foot and ankle experts, and they can help you if this persists. No shots of cortisone, no stem cells, no PRP, no needles into your feet, Moro. You listen to the show, so you know I always say that. But get it checked out. But first, try to avoid surgery by modifying your shoes. How's that? We'll do. Thanks All right, for your, Moro. Listen, your insight. you're welcome. You're a total stranger to me. I want you to do me a favor today. Find a total stranger. Do something nice for them. That's how you'll be thanking me. All right, Moro? I appreciate it. You have a good morning. All right. God bless we'll you. Do. Appreciate it, Thank sir. You. All right. Have a good day. All right, Warriors. We'll take a break. We'll pay some bills. Coming back. I got to tell you more about Clapper Vision with Max Muncie and Russell Wilson. I'll take your calls as well. The number is 877-710-ESPN. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warriors show here on 710 ESPN. Get smart. Just what are you getting at? Check out the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Like this. Medical advice from Cedar Sinai, head of orthopedic surgery. Are you kidding? With a far rockaway attitude and a little drizzle of mozzarella. Well, it's important to me. Search Weekend Warrior in the space bar. Like this. And click on Doc's picture. I see. Like, follow, and enjoy the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Hey, it's John Ireland. You know there is no better way to start your Saturday than with the man who replaced Michael Thompson's hip, Dr. Clapper and the Weekend Warrior Show, 7 to 9 a.m. Saturday mornings. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. I got two words for you. Forget about it. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. How about that Weekend Warrior Show? Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. Speaking of the third dimension, that's the fifth dimension. And their famous song, Up, Up, and Away. That's what we're talking about today, three dimensions. Speaking of three dimensions, I apologize. We didn't make it to uh, live radio on the internet, but now it's fixed. Crazy technology. I'll tell you all about Max Muncy and Russell Wilson with some clap revision, but let's let's do what I do best, which is open the clinic. So many calls. Let's go to Walter and Downey. You're on with Dr. Clapper. How can I help? Good morning, Dr. Clapper, and thank you very much for taking my call. Oh, it's my pleasure, Walter. How young are you? What do you do for a living? 42. I do human resources work. Great. Thank you. You know what Clapper Vision is? You ready for it? I actually don't. I heard it from the uh, gentleman before, but I was recommended to your radio station as my second time hearing you, so I'm not too familiar with the business. <laughs> I, I apologize. No problem. No problem. What hurts? How can I help you? What's up? Um, my knee. Um, I think I was running, and I, I believe I may have, based on the conversation I had with the doctor, I may have a tear on my ACL mm-hmm. and probably a meniscus tear as well. Um, do you have pain? Do you have swelling? Does it feel unstable? Does it feel loose? Did you hear a pop, feel a pop? Tell me the story. When did it start? It, it started three months ago. Um, it got swollen a little bit. Um, it went away. The only pain I have at the moment after three months from uh, from getting injured, it's when I go up and down the stairs and when I try to run. Mm-hmm. Um, aside from those two activities, I can extend my knee. I can walk without pain. I can, um, you know, flex. I can do all of that. But I, it, I, I do have discomfort every time I go up and down the stairs. Um, okay. And of course, if, you know, when I run. So Walter, a couple of things to tell you. Number one, do not let anybody stick a needle in your knee. Cortisone, Synvisc. I don't want any stem cells. Be holistic. There's a book I wrote with Lindy Yui called Heal Your Knees. It'll teach you a lot about anatomy, what to do about things, how to almost self-make a diagnosis. It's great. Heal your knees. That'll help you immensely. Three months is a long time, and if you still have symptoms, the best way to look in your knee without an operation is an MRI. And in my opinion, you don't need a dye injection, which is painful. You can just do it with a regular MRI. 
So your job this week, Walter, is to get yourself an MRI. Tell them you got a second opinion from Dr. Clapper. And Steve Paulette and I will make room for you next week. If you've got the report in front of you, you'll read it to me, and I will translate it for you and tell you what to do next to try my very best to keep you out of the operating room. And I'm a busy surgeon telling you I'm going to do my best to keep you out of the operating room. All right? I doubt you tore your ACL. I think whoever told you that is scaring you unnecessarily. And it is possible you tore your meniscus. But I'm going to tell you, at 40 years old, I am going to be maybe the only orthopedic surgeon to tell you, please do your best to leave it alone. You've had a blister in your hand many times over your 40 years. Guess what happens when you rub a blister? It becomes a callus and it stops hurting. You and I have to do our very best to try to treat you without an operation. But first things first, Walter, you need a diagnosis, not someone trying to pretend they can see through the skin. Get an MRI. You call the show, and it'll be my pleasure to help you. How's that? Oh, I, I greatly appreciate it. So I, I will call your office and tell him I spoke with you. Or so get can... that get that internist, the family doctor that you have. Tell him you need an MRI of your knee. You can come and see me, but right now you need an MRI, and they can handle that. And you have the report in front of you. Have the radiologist give you the report. And if you want, Saturday, next Saturday, I can translate it for you and tell you what to do over the radio. How's that? I, I, I like that. All right, I, young I, man. Yep. Now, listen, Walter, you're a total stranger to me. You find a total stranger today. Do something nice for them. That's how you'll be thanking me. All right? I will definitely do that. And thank you, sir. All right. God bless you, Walter. Thanks for calling. All right, Warriors. Coming up next, I'm going to tell some stories. Stories about 3D modeling, because my guest at 815 is going to teach us all about it. I got a lot of Clapper vision left to do. And I also have to tell you where the best 3D model of food, the French Napoleon, is. And I got a clue for you. The best in L.A. is not at a French bakery. It's at a, it's at a Jewish bakery. Can you imagine? The best Napoleon I've ever had in L.A. is at a Jewish bakery. Ah, wait till I tell you where that is. I'll tell you. Coming up next here on the Weekend Warrior Show on 710 ESPN. It's good to be king. Right, King James? Absolutely. And good to be courtly friends on the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. I love it. Be treated like medical royalty with Clappervision. Clappervision. Feast like a monarch on Doc's delectable finds. There we go. And that far rockaway jester humor. <laughs> Search Weekend Warrior and click on Doc's regal picture. Cool. <laughs> Sound the trumpets. No cortisone, alchemy, or leeches here. Everything's good. Bow, curtsy, like, or follow the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. That makes me happy. Cheers.